Welcome to the Holden Village Podcast. Holden is a community of education, programming, and worship located in the remote wilderness of the Cascade Mountains. These snapshots provide a glimpse into the learnings taking place in our community. Let's tune in to this week's highlight. This is Dan Spencer. I teach environmental studies at the University of Montana and uh, delighted to be back at Holden Village. I've been doing work on the notion of deep time. My background is in geology, um, and then I moved into the realm of theology, ethics, and philosophy. And so deep time is this wonderful field that crosses both disciplines. What I mean by deep time is if you look at the Western intellectual tradition, up up until a couple hundred years ago, the consensus for the age of the earth was about 6,000 years. And that was put together by people who did very careful analysis of the the biblical genealogies and pieced them together. And and those are the best sources they had. And they came up with an age of about 6,000 years. Today, after two centuries of geology and also astrophysics, we have a a deeper sense of the time of the universe coming in at about 13.7 billion years, which is an enormous expansion. We also, even a 100 years ago, knew only for sure that there was one galaxy in the universe, and that was the Milky Way. Edwin Hubble, in the 1920s, used his telescope on Mount Wilson to answer the question about whether or not there were more than one galaxy. And when he trained his telescope on the night skies, he found out not only was there more than one galaxy, we now estimate there's between 100 and 200 billion galaxies, each one with 100 to 200 billion stars in it. So the universe is much, much larger and much, much older than we had ever imagined up until recently. The Earth's age is about one-third of the universe, about 4.5, 4.6 billion years old. And to give some sense about that, if you put the Earth's year on a calendar year, uh, dinosaurs, whom we think of as really, really ancient, don't appear until about mid-November calendar year. Uh, the Homo sapiens, our species, shows up a couple hours before midnight on, on, on uh, New Year's Eve. And uh, all the events of the Bible show up within the last uh, few minutes of the of New Year's Eve before the, the bell strikes midnight. So we're, we're having to rethink what it means to be part of an evolving universe that's 13.7 billion years old and part of an Earth story that's about 4.5 billion years old. So I've been looking at three different aspects of that once we sort of laid out the basis of the story. One is my area of geology, and that's been reconstructing the geologic history of the Pacific Northwest. So we understand all the things that have shaped where Holden lies in the North Cascades. Then I've also been really interested in the deep history of deep time of climate. The climate on the planet has been part of the interaction of the atmosphere with the rest of the planet, and that's been evolving since the beginning of, the, of time here. So we hear a lot about climate change today, and that's a issue of real concern for us because the climate is changing rapidly due primarily to human causes. But the climate has changed historically for, for millennia, and trying to understand both that historical change and then our role in it today helps us sort of think about how to live more responsibly with our, the climate. Uh, all life on Earth is, is dependent on a fairly stable climate, and we're changing it rapidly with, with a lot of unintended consequences. And then I was working on today is one of my favorite fields here. It's a, the whole field of biomimicry, which is thinking about design that, that's inspired by nature. And the basic philosophy behind this is our awareness that of the four and a half billion years of Earth history, life has been around for about 3.8 billion years of that. So it was almost since the very beginning. And life has continued to change, adapt, and evolve through process of evolution by natural selection. 
What that means is that all forms of life that we see today are the survivors. These are the forms of life that have become well adapted to the, their niche in the planet. And so all forms of life have some of the same basic needs. They have to be able to feed themselves, to provide shelter, to protect themselves from predation and threats. And we can begin to look at the other forms of life in terms of how they do this because the genius of life is it does it sustainably within the constraints of life itself, within the constraints of the planet. Since the Industrial Revolution, we've been relying increasingly on fossil fuels and unsustainable technologies that folks in biomimicry could call the heat, beat, and treat method. In order to get our our new technology and our new devices and, and materials, we subject them to very high temperatures, which are energy intensive, subject them to very high pressures, and also oftentimes a, a lot of toxic chemical byproducts. Whereas life is able to design all the things it needs to do to survive and thrive within the constraints of the ambient atmosphere and environment. So this morning we were looking at a variety of different things, including a variety of different uh, ways of using biomimicry to design our energy needs, which would help us to address the climate change crisis. So the notion of deep time and locating ourselves in that story both gives us a sense, a much richer sense about where we've come from and how we've gotten to where we are today, but I think also points to clues about how we can move forward so that human life and life of the rest of the planet can flourish uh, within the ecological constraints of the planet. The other area of passion for mine is a whole field of environmental ethics. I've worked with a couple friends of mine, Jim Martin Tram and Laura Stivers. In the last couple of years, we've written a book called Earth Ethics, where we use a, a case method approach to thinking about the big issues in environmental ethics. And we use the term earth ethics to remind ourselves that the earth itself is our community and that we share that community with all other forms of life on the planet. So when we think about the ethical dimensions of environmental issues, we want to think about what those implications are for human beings. But it's important to think more broadly about that. What are the implications for all forms of life, both animals and plant life? And there's a sobering reality that we learn from our geological perspective um, over the history of life on the planet, there have been at least five great mass extinctions when some triggering event on the planet uh, triggered a, a, an extinction of somewhere between 70 to 90 percent of all the life forms. The most recent one of those is one that people, many people are familiar with. About 65 million years ago, we think either a meteor or a comet crashed into the Earth, and the resultant uh, effects of that collision released an enormous amount of energy in the atmosphere, as well as a lot of dust, set off tsunamis, so forth. But in the course of a few years after that, nearly 90% of the uh, life forms on the planet went extinct, including the dinosaurs. We seem to be in the midst of the sixth great extinction of species on the planet now. Only this time, this is being caused by one of the member species of the planet, that is, human beings. And so extinction rates around the planet seem to be about a 100 to a 1,000 times more rapid than would be expected under natural conditions. So species are going extinct much more rapidly than new species can arrive, and we're seeing a real steady decrease in the biodiversity of the Earth. So that raises a lot of different ethical issues for us to grapple with, and what I'll be working with is to look at some of the ethical issues around population growth, the human species, went from about 1.5, 1.6 billion people at the beginning of the 20th century to about 6.1 billion people at the end of the 20th century. We've added another billion and a half people since that time, so currently the planet has about 7.5 billion people, which seems to have largely exceeded much of the carrying capacity of the planet. So we now are existing by uh, digging into 
the ecological capital or the, the sustainability of the planet itself. So that combination of consumption, the, the way the rate we consume, the effects of our technology and population raise really serious issues about the future of both the human race on the planet and all of the forms of life. Then connected to that is the impact that we have on the planet through our food systems. We'll be looking at a case called moral eating that raises questions about the impact of our food systems, particularly meat-based diets. Having a diet that has eating animals and raising animals for consumption at the core of it is very energy intensive. And as the population, the human population grows and people eat more and more meat, it has a very, very large impact on the, on the ecological integrity of the, of the planet and the ability to sustain itself here. It also, uh, a meat-based diet is one of the main factors implicated in climate change and the generation of greenhouse gases. Some directly, uh, we have uh, tens of millions, if not billions of cattle on the planet that we support now. They produce methane directly, and methane is a really volatile, dangerous greenhouse gas. But also indirectly, we clear a lot of forest land, uh, particularly tropical forests, for pasture to raise our animals, raise cattle. Um, in particular, but also sheep, goats, chickens. And that also, the loss of that forest cover contributes to climate change. So there are a number of different issues related to that, as well as the issues of animal well-being under industrialized food system. And then I'll also be looking at the, one of the really challenging issues in the American West, where Holden lies and where many of us live, are the challenging issues of water use. We have a growing population. We also have increased drought. Climate change means we're going to have hotter, drier, longer summers. Um, and water issue is really critical for the survival not only of human beings, but lots of forms of life. So we're seeing increasing conflicts between demands on water, particularly from agriculture, but also endangered species protection, such as native fish in these waters there. So this um, moving into the realm of earth ethics asks us, how do we frame the question of living sustainably and also by flourishing, but not only for the human species, but that all of life can flourish. And here at Holden, we see that as a responsibility that we make towards being good stewards of God's uh, good creation for us. So we'll be exploring a lot of those issues next week and trying to wrestle with that. Holden is such a delightful place to be because it's it's a place where we can try out these different things. In a global forum we had earlier this week here, one of the members brought up the one thing she loves about coming back to Holden is that it's a place where you can practice things that take courage in the outside world. So we practice different ways of eating. We practice different ways of living. We practice learning to talk to each other about complex and controversial topics there. We get that good hold and courage by practicing with each other here so that as we move out in the other parts of our lives, we can take that dimension of holding with us. And so what I'm going to be working with next week is practicing these issues that connect social justice with environmental sustainability on a range of issues so we can practice with each other and then move back into our places where we live, worship, play, and work. And uh, so we'll take that concept of deep time and being part of a long history of evolution of life on Earth, and we'll take that immediacy of contemporary issues in environmental and social justice, and I hope we'll be able to deepen our involvement in those in all our daily parts of our life. And I'm grateful to Holden to give me a chance to try these ideas out with people, to learn from other people, engage in conversation, and then really address the critical issues of our day. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to view the links in the description for more information, or visit our website to find out more about the village. We hope you will make a pilgrimage to Holden. Blessings and peace to you.